This week, I'm talking to David Kyle from Cardiff-based FitPro Lead Gen. Once a football coach and gym owner, David now runs a fast-growing lead generation agency and has since developed SaaS-based lead deck to help existing and new clients. So David, thank you very much for agreeing to be on the Wales in Tech podcast. I'm going to start with our usual five questions. What's your company called and what does it do? So we have two companies kind of blended into one. So we are a digital marketing agency specialized in the fitness industry called FitProLegion. And then we kind of sought a need for the software to help clients generate the leads and nurture the leads, which is where Lead Deck came in. So are you B2B or B2C? Uh, B2B. Always B2B. SaaS model and agency model, or are you mixed? So it is mixed. FitPro Gen is the agency model, and Lead Deck is the SaaS model. Great. And do you have investment already, or are you completely bootstrapped? No, completely bootstrapped. Um, as we take more clients on, we find more staff, we buy new stuff, and then we just keep kind of building like. Do you think one day you could be looking for investment, or do you want to stay bootstrapped? <sighs> Um, it depends where we go and what opportunities there are. At this moment in time, it really is just finding clients, finding the staff, finding clients, finding the staff. Whereas with Lead Deck, the SaaS company, depending where we take that, that might be uh, a place to search for investment, depending on how big and where we want to take it. So it's not something that's crossed my mind just yet, but you never know. Never know. Never say never. Okay, great. Um, could you give me a little, well, give us a little indication of, um, you know, who you are, what your background is? Graduated from university, went straight into a full-time job uh, running a swim school. Um, the guy was away for basically the six months I was there. He was traveling around South America and I thought, mm, why am I working for him, making him money when he's kind of just off? Obviously now I can see it, but back then I was like, that's, that's unfair. So I quit the job and started the football coaching business back in North Wales. So I moved back. From, I was in Southampton, moved to North Wales and set the football coaching business up. That went extremely well. We were in the TV, on the radio, in the newspapers. We had locations all over North Wales. But my knowledge of business back then was limited. So I wasn't charging enough. I was giving too much away for free. Um, and it, it, it had grown grown big like we had loads of staff and everything but I, i've never actually had any money it was like how am i supposed to buy a house how am i supposed to buy a car how am i supposed to kind of move out for my grandparents basically and that's how i became apt i did my fitness qualifications um started to understand business more so learned facebook ads um and like you say as, as that's that's the story there learned facebook ads grew the bit grew the business moved to cardiff grew the business Everybody was asking at the same time. So we started the agency about five, six years ago as well. Sold the business, start of the year. And then my sole focus is now just on the agency and obviously the SaaS company, which is Lead Deck. So you very much started sports broken. Did you do a sports degree as well? or? Yeah. Uh, I always get funny lucks when I tell people this. It was like, oh, what did you do at university? I actually did football studies. Okay. Yeah. So and it was like, definitely in fitness and sport. Yeah. <laughs> there's a qualification that does that i was like yeah yeah i'm sure there is in southampton did you say in southampton yeah yeah great so you um came back to wales great that's what we like to hear <laughs> um and that point there which you mentioned between you know running these football clubs and getting into facebook ads was that because 
you know, you wanted to drive demand to your own clubs? Uh, or was there like some kind of always an underlying interest in technology and, and how these things work? Yeah, so the technology one's always been there. And obviously, when you start a business, you're just like, what do you do? Do you just hope that people will discover you? Or do you actually go and try and figure out how people can come to you? And that's how I came across Facebook ads. That's how I came across um, WordPress for the websites and stuff. And that's how I came across email marketing and text messaging and WhatsApps. And this is obviously a very, you know, popular populated market there's a lot of different competitors here in lead gen at, at least you seem to have really you know made a niche for yourself in fitness because that's also your background and in sport is that on purpose or are you just doing what you know or are there plans perhaps one day to be lead gen in more generally <sighs> So it goes back to not having all your eggs in one basket. There is plans, and we do have one or two clients outside of the fitness industry. The reason we're in the fitness industry is because solely because of the gym. So as people saw the gym grow and they were asking questions and you saw the results from the Facebook ads, it was just a natural thing. And the big thing, especially for the gym, especially for what we do, and just for anybody really watching, if you have a niche or a tag audience, it just makes your life so much easier because now we don't have to write what ads work for plumbers or what ads work for dentists or what ads works for gardeners. We literally just write, this is the type of ads you should run for a fitness business, which means it attracts fitness business owners and it repels the people who are not our target audience. Obviously, you're going to get people who like your content anyway and still going to reach out, which are not part of your target audience. And then you just decide then, you know what? Yeah, I still would like to work with them. So to answer the question, we are going to move further down the line. But right now, our aim is to become the number one in you. And you keep mentioning a gym. Did, did you used to own a gym then? Is, is, or do you still have the gym? Yes. The- we, we had a fitness facility studio called FitHub30 in Cardiff. Uh, we had it for five years. I think I saw your Instagram um, ads now. <laughs> I'm giving away my age. Yeah. I'm over 30 now, but uh, I think I remember these ads on Instagram. The biggest issue was time. So as we all know, as business owners, you have to put all your focus into everything. And that's why if you you have a business and you think, oh, you know what, I've just seen a YouTube video and it's going to make me thousands of pounds. Let's start that side hustle. That now has taken 40% off your main income. And then a month down the line, you're just like, oh, my main income's now dropped drastically because I put no attention into there. And that's what was happening with the gym. So the gym was going really well when I was in there, but as FitPro and Deck both grew, like we got 11 staff here in the office and everything as well. It's just got so big that my attention wasn't in the gym and it just, it was just, it was trickling. Someone came in and said, Dave, uh, would you be interested in selling that? It was just the the, the right time to okay, sell. Okay, so sold, you sold the gym, actually. Yeah, generally. So that's a, that's a great experience in itself. You know, a lot of tech founders, but a lot of founders in general, um, that's kind of the goal, to sell a business. Uh, how did you find that process? You know, you don't have to give away any numbers or anything, but what was, you know, how did it feel like? Was it Was it arduous? Was it easier than you thought? It's a strange one. I had the, I did another podcast the other month about selling of the gym. I'm not sure if it was the gym owner space or my lack of knowledge around selling businesses, but my thought had always been I will grow this business as big as possible and I'll just keep growing. I'd never thought about the exit strategy of a business. It's not something 
I knew nothing about it. I just made it up as I go along. And that's how most of us obviously run our businesses right, right when we start. Um, it was it was difficult because obviously we had to sign an NDA. So we weren't allowed to tell clients. We were only allowed to go on his um we were only allowed to go on his confirmation, basically, or his rules. One of the things I do kind of regret was we didn't put in a deposit clause in there where he had to pay a deposit to us. Um, looking back on it now, we've either pulled out after we told the clients, yeah, we would have had to have taken it to solicitors and to court and all that stuff, but that's no help for us. We've got no deposit, which then we lose all these clients. That's a good, that's a good chunk of income gone. And we've got nothing to back up with a deposit, but obviously I knew the guy, and it it, it was a it, it was a nice easy process. But thinking about it again, if I didn't know the person, a deposit would have made our lives a lot smoother. Yeah, I suppose that's different between like a physical business like that, where you, your clients could physically walk away from you in that process, um, and an online tech business where the clients generally don't know what's happening until it's done. And that's that's you know that was the case when I sold my business. Uh, we didn't actually tell them it was sold for quite a while after until we got all the contracts in place and, and everything like that. So, yeah, that's, I suppose, a risk of a physical a physical business where you yeah, literally... I don't want to even say it's a physical. I think more of a case if it's, if it's attached to you, like people come to the studio because of the philosophy, because of how we built it. It's like if someone goes to a salon to a particular lady, they go there for that person or they go to a landscape because of that person and say um if if you run a digital business digital fitness business they're coming to that fitness business because of you whereas if i was to sell lead deck today like you um they wouldn't see changes it's not like they're going to change the whole algorithm not going to change the whole setup of how everything's structured and then these people leave them because they don't like the new structure they won't know any different but whereas someone's coming to the business because of you personally that's where the emotional attachment then causes issues because if the person comes in and just completely changes how the workouts happen or the colors of the gym or the equipment and stuff that then loses yeah definitely buying into personality and 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 that personal service, yeah. How so? Tell me about um, Lead Deck. You know, where did it come from? Why did you create it? Did you create it in house? Did you, uh, you know, hire developers, outsourced, or why? Why does it exist? And what what service? Uh, what purpose does it serve? So Fit Pro Lead Gen was the marketing agency, and we've still got it now, and it's it's going really well. But the issue we were having is every time we brought on a new client, they would be using, uh, let's go. Active campaign, uh, Wufu, and Text Magic. So we'd have to go and learn those. And then the next person comes in and they say, Dave, I actually use MailChimp, Google Forms, and ClickSend. <laughs> okay, we've got to go and learn that now. And then, I mean, there's so many different ones out there. So we'd have to teach the staff every single one, which then became a nightmare because we're spending way much time learning these stuff rather than actually doing our job. And that's kind of where Lead Deck came about. It was trying to figure out a way that, because that, our pre-lead deck was okay you're coming to us we recommend lead pages we recommend active campaign and we recommend click send we'll set you up on zapier and we'll get a google form connected so like five things there but then active campaigns 60 pound a month let's say um lead pages is 47 dollars on the cheapest model uh, wufu is like 28 
dollars a month all these things were costing and they're like well i'm paying you all this money to do my ads now you tell me you need to come buy all these extra subscriptions and you're just like okay let's find another way so lead deck is built off another platform it's a white label platform so we've basically gone in tweaked it made it specific to the fitness industry built it in a way that it's it works for us and our clients and then now obviously um we use it for our clients and we obviously sell it. As it's a so funny you well. say this because I do some consulting for startups and growth companies and I've only been doing it since I sold my own tech company. And it is incredible. I always knew this, I think, but it's incredible to see all the different tools everyone uses to do more or less the same thing. And, and yeah, I have exactly the same issue. You come in and you say, look, it would be best if you maybe bought this tool or subscribed to this tool. And they're like, oh, you know, <laughs> that even though they might be paying you know, their marketing agency or the consultants thousands of pounds, they don't want to spend $40 on a tool that would make their, their whole life easier. There is a lot of learning. So I really hear you there. There's a really, I've, I've had exactly the same experience as you there. So I can see why you've gone towards kind of amalgamating all that into one, one platform. How would, how many of your agency clients use the platform and do you have people who use the platform who aren't agency clients um yeah we we got people we sell it as a separate as a separate service software so we've got loads of people who use the platform but don't use our agency uh for the people that are in that agency i would say maybe it's about 50 50 obviously a lot of a lot of people already have things set up previously so when you come in and say what have you got? Because obviously that's the first thing. Understand their business. What are their needs? Why people come to them? What softwares and setups do they have? Just understanding all about their business. So then when you say you've got a landing page builder, yeah, all built. It's been tried and tested. We're coming in at 15% opt-in. Not bad then. What about your call booking? Yeah, call booking pages doing well. That's probably about a 35% conversion rate. Like, okay, so we don't need, there's no point reinventing the wheel. There's no point saying, okay, no, scrap all that. Just come join our platform. Yeah, we're going to make a bit of money for it. But then if the results are not as great on our setup, then we might have lost them anyway. So we might as well keep them what they've got. And if there is flaws, then we can sell them our stuff. But if there's no flaws, then just do the job they've hired you to do, which is to generate the leads in our case. So I think, as I said before, this market is huge. Uh, what does the competition look like? Yeah, so our competitors are uh, UK and international. So for the software, definitely international. We And I know people all around the world who have similar softwares or similar setups and stuff. And we obviously need to try and beat them one of our main tactics has always been just work on what you know we know the uk audience inside out so let's just really put a lot of our focus on uk audience but with lead deck our software again something we should all be doing is partners so our main driver from away from paid ads is partners who can we partner with that can sell the software for us either through affiliates or through their own mentorship programs or what are they have running so we we pull a lot of clients in through through partners basically whereas the digital marketing we we try and focus just on the uk you know what i mean there's four or five hundred gyms in the uk we if we just if we just take well, it's probably more than actually. If we do, even if we just take two or three hundred of those, 
I mean, we're, 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 we're flying. Yeah. We'd have to, we'd have to take away more staff and everything. So, so yeah. So I suppose what that leads to like, what is your five-year plan? What, what do you, how do you expect your company to look in, you know, two, three, four, five years time? The, the, the aim for the end of this year is to try and move into a better office. Obviously this office is perfect, but it's, this is a rented space We've got offices upstairs, offices by the side of us, which is, which is nothing wrong with that. But what we want is a custom office where we have a gym in the office. So then when we're doing our TikToks or Instagram or our paid ads, we can actually go into the sets, almost like a gym, a working gym, but also a set where we have the background of gym equipment and everything. So it looks more unique, but also make it more of a more relaxed office as well. So that's kind of, our main focus for the next year or so. Um, the next year or so as well, I want to try and step away. Obviously, I'm in my 30s now as well. So children are, children's not too far in the distance. So I want to try and pull myself out so I can kind of enjoy my life for maybe a year, year and a half before I do officially settle down, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and then continue with growing the business again. So that's probably the next three or four years So. Yeah, I can probably give you a three or four year plan, but not a five. So you're, so you're, um, you say that. So I mean, it makes me think that you're quite integral. To, obviously, you're integral, right? You're the managing director. But yeah, at the moment, if you stepped away, uh, it wouldn't operate as well as it is now. Or are you kind of putting in place structures so that you know you'd still be quote unquote the boss, but could you know take six months out no. and the company would still be. Successful? I could. St- could step away today. The whole team is built. Um, I'm now Mr. Motivator. Maybe that would be the best, best way to describe <laughs> what I am. But I also, um, like, we are the visionaries. That's really what the owner of a business should be. It's the person that really visualizes what you want to do with the business moving forward. So, yeah, the team are here. We've got the manager in place. We've got a sales team in place. We've got our media buyers in place. We're obviously bringing in a social media manager as well to really run that side of things. So the the, the team, the, I, I could step away. Like, we've got a couple of holidays coming to the show, so I can completely step away and just be out of it. But also, mm. like we say, we don't want all the eggs in one basket. So I am the visionary. I'm the one making sure that, yeah, we've got a, we've got a YouTube uh, agency raring to go all the sops are written all the structures in place that's good to go so first person asks we're straight in um it's really funny right i'm not a massively sporty person but my uh i've got like a what's the word the way i the way i see management and good management is that as the boss you are like a referee and you prepare the pitch and then your colleagues play on that pitch And you've got to make it like, you know, a fair game, provide them with the tools, you know, the changing rooms, the kit, whatever, so they can play the game, which is the business. And also really uh, set the rules because sometimes I often find people work in companies and not knowing how to win the game or how to play the game. And so as the manager, I always feel like, you know, that's your responsibility to, to make the game fair and easy to play. And so when you said, you know, your team knows what they're doing and you've, uh, yeah, you you could step away for a few months. I think that's the ideal way to run a business because it shouldn't be about one person because that's dangerous, right? You could walk away and then six people or 11 people like you have would be lost. So yeah, it's a good way to run a business. Yeah, it's an interesting one. So uh, we focus a lot this year on KPIs and putting these 
rules in place. Obviously, we want the staff to be able to have their own creativity and to enjoy the work, but at the same time, targets need to be hit. And I, I will always take responsibility for everything. If an ad client's leave, I will blame myself. And the reason I blame myself is because I didn't teach the staff member well enough on how to keep an ad client. Uh, I worked at a company once that was very, very blame game, and it never works. Like the whole staff become totally disenchanted with their jobs. Even the management become miserable because you're always looking to, to put the blame on someone else. It doesn't work. Uh, it's always just a learning opportunity. And that's why I'll take it. I will take it and then figure out how we can stop it happening next time. What does better training need to be placed? Does better communication need to be placed? So like you say, you can figure it out. So then when I do step away for these long-term situations, if those situations do pop up, we've we've worked on it previously we've gone through the motions of what to do in that situation so yeah so what what is would you say is the biggest challenge for um you know fit pro lead gen and the software lead deck the the big the big one for lead deck now is is showing how we're different because like you say when you were doing this and like saying for us there's so many different softwares out there that do the same thing so lead decks struggle is showing how it is different so we're really working at the minute on finding what makes us different to all the other same platforms out there so it is trying to find that niche where fit pro fit pro is really just finding quality staff members finding clients is <laughs> finding clients is the easy part because that's obviously that's that's what our job is we're a lead generation agency. Finding clients is easy. Finding the right staff members, and that's one of our big things we work on quite a lot when we take a staff member on. Experience matters. Uh, quality of work matters. But fitting in and being part of the politics of the office is is is, is the most important thing we we often talk about this in wales and not just wales actually it's every i think it's every country in the world um but certainly i know from you know meetings i've been in with welsh government but also i know england has a similar problem it's that you know skills shortage right there 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 are a lot of open posts at the moment in the job market but they're not being filled unemployment is still historically quite low uh it's difficult to find staff uh, and colleagues who are who have the skills right and also fit the work culture like you just mentioned so ha- would you say that it ho- it holds you back like it, would you if you found the right person tomorrow uh, would you be hiring more if you knew that there were more people who fit the right mold it's an interesting one the social media marketing post we put that out and we've been inundated mm. with um applications for that post but we put a post out for we're looking for a facebook ad specialist mm. then you just see tumbleweed yeah because it's it's not one of those things that's taught it's something that you go and learn yourself so finding a digital finding a media buyer for the facebook ads agency is 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 much more of a challenge where the social media management is fine because it's a it's a much wider talked about stuff that's done in college stuff in school it's a lot more taught so if there is a, a, a um 
if there is a gap, it is being very specific with more specific niches. Is there a possibility that you could employ someone perhaps not as skilled but in the right area and then you know you're paying them while they tr- while they learn essentially yeah that's that's exactly what we do so obviously putting out there we want a facebook ads person with five years experience you get nothing yeah because either they've got five years experience and they're in their own agency or they're really high paid at another agency and they don't want to leave because finding that experience is a because there's not many of them it costs a lot more to get them in. So we now basically just go, let's look for graduates. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's that skills question is always interesting. And uh, there are many, many ways to learn, you know, self-learn online, but it you have to have the interest, you have to have the time. Uh, so I think perhaps what you're doing is... It, is a is a way for not just your company but lots of companies to, you know, something to think about you know hire a less a lower skilled person or a, i don't know what the word is there but someone who hasn't got the skills and you know if they're capable they will learn and 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 i'm sure that a lot of people enjoy uh learning a lot of people cry out for learning opportunities at work so I think that's a, that's a really good point as well just for this podcast in in general because it's about you know hoping to encourage uh, tech entrepreneurs in in Wales that uh, you don't need a degree in a in a tech based subject. You know you don't need a uh, computer science degree um, to be a developer. Maybe a software engineer would benefit greatly from a computer science degree. But you know there are many jobs out there that aren't uh, software engineering, and you can get very far just by having an interest, but just being self motivated. There are so many courses online to learn pretty much anything. Um, I have a business and language degree and you don't need a business degree to run a business, right? You are running a very successful business. You don't have a business degree. Uh, so, you know, it, it's, it's often um, a, like a misnomer. People think that they need a degree in a certain subject to do something, you don't. You just need to interest and enough, you know, motivation to go and learn, and speak to people who have the role. Like learn from them, get a mentor, maybe someone who's been in the industry for a few years. There's so many opportunities, and university was great for me. You know, socially, it's great. Um, financially, it's not not so great. Financially, not. And and I'm I was the last year. I'm 36, so I was the last year that paid a thousand pounds a year. And now, like, people are paying £9,000 a year just for the fees. I mean, I would really, con- I would be, I would find it difficult to justify <laughs> now going to university, you know, just for the social. Because to be honest, you can go self-learn and then go for a few holidays, Tenerife with your mates <laughs> for much less than nine grand a year. So, yeah, it's a, it's a difficult one to argue for now. Um, let's move on to uh, Wales, right? So you're from North Wales, I believe. Where uh, where in North yeah, Wales are you from? Uh, near Llanberis, so a place called Pennies of Wine. What, how, what would be your opinion about starting a business here? Did you really think about it when you did the football coaching or was it just the primary motivation for, to do football coaching? Um, and, you know, how, how did it feel going through all the motions of like setting up a limited company and and hiring staff the mindset is a big one though please don't get me wrong but i think in wales sometimes we have the mindset of oh we're in wales we're not going to get the funding as they do in england we're not going to be as as big as what ireland is because they can do x y and z and i think sometimes that maybe is used a little bit maybe as an excuse like 
everyone said, oh, there's no point doing a football coaching business in North Wales. Yet we were the first person to do it. We were the biggest one that did it. If I knew what I knew now, we'd probably be across North Wales and Liverpool and Manchester and Chester and all those kind of places now. So don't 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 think just because we're in Wales, it's not possible. Granted, there is a significant difference between South Wales and North Wales. You could literally put a line. The minute you go past the Breckens, just draw a line there. South Wales, so many opportunities. Anything above Brecon onwards, like just 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 game over basically. Um, so if Drakeford is listening. Just go and help the people in North Wales out a little bit more, yeah. But no, the opportunity is endless. Like, I learned Facebook ads by watching YouTube, sat in my nan's bedroom in North Wales. Like, if I can do it, then anybody can do it. Possibly. I mean, that sounds like great advice. So I'm going to ask you uh, for a little bit more advice. <laughs> you know, what was the most important lesson you've ever learned uh, in business? Don't, don't copy somebody. I think that might be the biggest lesson. Like, use what they do as a framework, as a template, as inspiration, as ideas, but don't copy them. People can see right through it and people know it's not you. Like, the, the big one is um, if if I start getting someone to write my emails for me and people are reading these emails and they're super fascinated because I've got a, an absolute genius writing these emails and then they discover me and they're just like, oh, David's not as interesting or as fun as he sounds in these emails, then you've, you've lost them straight away. So don't, don't copy other people. Don't just steal other people's stuff. Use it as inspiration, as templates, as a framework and create that space for you. Use, just use you. Use what you do, the person that you are, to create what it is you want. Okay, that's that, great advice. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. And do you do you think you feel supported by the like by other businesses around you physically? So here in Wales or, or tech businesses, are you members of any groups or anything which which provide you support? And do, do you have a mentor yourself, for example? And do I have a mentor? Yes, I do have a mentor. Uh, we speak once a week and I don't know, a mentor is more of an accountability partner, really. Yeah, they've got higher insight knowledge that maybe you don't know about, but at the same time, it's making sure you do what you said you're going to do because at the end of the day, they're not going to do that work for you. They will give you the knowledge and give you the insight and give you a structure and framework, which we keep talking about, but you still have to go and do that work. Yeah, unfortunately. Maybe this week. I think we should look at local businesses in Cardiff and seeing how we can leverage them Here's maybe an email idea, or here maybe here's a text message, or here's a uh, here's a script that you need to go and say when you go and visit them. You still have to go and do that work then. So a mentor, it it does make your life easier, but then you still got to do the work. At the end <laughs> yeah, of the day. indeed, you have to. Well, okay, thank you very much, David. Uh, I've learned a lot today. You've gone from being a football coach to running a gym to a lead generation agency to now having your own software to manage that entire process. I think that's quite some journey and you're still very much at the beginning of it. So wish you all the success and I hope we can talk again in about a year's time to see what your progress is. 